everybody, this is Craig from the University of Applied Research and Development, and I'm delighted to have Karis Evans with me today from the UK, from Swansea. She is a Learning and Development Specialist. Welcome. Hi, Craig. Thanks for having me. So great to have you here. Why don't you tell us about your role and what you do? So I am the UK Learning and Development Specialist for a um, manufacturing company, um, which uh, is based in South Wales in the UK, but is a global organisation and it specialises in um, insulation, so stonewall insulation um, particularly. Um, so I've been with my current organisation for six months um, and I am the learning and development function, I suppose is the best way to put it. So I'm responsible for all of the learning and development of all of our staff in the UK um, but I am also um, part of the global learning and development teams, so I do get to work um, with my colleagues across the globe on various um, learning and development initiatives um, for our people worldwide. Um, it's a very varied role, um, but um, I am the only learning and development there, so I get to do all parts of learning and development. <laughs> wow, and it's a global team. So how many, how many staff across your organisation? So in the UK, um, there's probably around just under 500, um, but worldwide, there's 11,500. Well, that's yeah. a big number. Big number. <laughs> so what brought you to this role or what attracted you to the role? Um, well, th this role in particular um, with, with my current organisation was the opportunity to set up my own function. Um, so I've worked in learning and development a long time, 15 years, um, with, across lots of different sectors. Um, and I really was ready for that challenge to set up my own learning and development department, my own L&D policy. Um, and um, it, the company I'm in now was, was able to give me that opportunity. Um, and also that opportunity work on a global level was, was really interesting to me because um, there's just so much more you have to take into um, account when you're designing um, programs and initiatives for, for a global audience. So, um, so that was really exciting as well. So in your role with learning and development, um, do you only focus on the technical side of installation or does it cover everything? So it covers everything. Um, my, in fact, it, my role probably covers a lot less to do with the technical installation itself and actually more around creating learning and development cultures across the organisation to drive our business goals. Um, so my role is um, to uh, work with our senior management team, so like the equivalent of, you know, kind of like the board of directors then in, um, in other organisations. Um, to identify with them the learning and development strategy required for their function in order to deliver on the business goals in line with the business strategy. So my role is a lot more strategic these days to what it was when I kind of first started in learning and development and I was cutting my teeth delivering training every day. Um, so now it's a lot more strategic and it's really identifying the right kinds of solutions um, to tackle the right priorities at the right time. Tell us about how you go through that process with those managers and leaders and the types of types of implementations that you do. So um, 
it, it, it all begins with understanding that the wider business. So what's the business's direction? What are the goals? Um, and really kind of getting your head around that piece first. Then you can start to work with those, um, those, more, those functions more specifically to really understand what knowledge, skills, behaviours and attitudes are going to be required within that particular function um, it, to enable them to, to, uh, to meet their, those business goals and obviously achieve it um, on behalf of the organisation itself. So what the, the approach I took, um, and I suppose I'm quite lucky in some respects that I've obviously worked in L&D long enough to be able to have kind of been able to have done this relatively quickly. Um, so I designed a workshop um, which brought together key stakeholders um, within that department um, and sometimes stakeholders from other areas of the business who had some type of involvement in the L&D of, of the people in, in, within that function. Um, and it was a very simple um, workshop. Um, we started by thinking about what, um, what knowledge, skills and behaviours will our people need when we've achieved that goal? So when we've achieved that goal, what will that look like? So we looked into the future first. Then we looked at where we were today. Okay, so, so where are we today then in relation to those, um, to those knowledge, skills and behaviours? And then the kind of last part of the session was for us to really kind of think about, all right, well, what's the priority? And this was quite a key um, activity within that session because um, sometimes when you work in organisations, it can be quite siloed thinking and every department thinks their priority is the most important. So sometimes it's, it's really beneficial to get all of those people around the table so that you, they, they do get that bigger picture and that they understand, okay, well, what's my priority might not necessarily be yours. So the strategy then um, was, was built around, this, it's almost like a gap analysis between where we are today as to where we go into the future. Um, and it was kind of built around these key themes that we needed to focus on throughout the year. I thought it was really quite exciting that you said that the, the position or the department didn't exist. So prior to your arriving, why don't you tell us about what were the drivers that made this organisation think they needed that? And then um, what you did to establish that? Um, so I definitely think our managing director um, was a, a big key influencer in, in getting this role um, uh, set up in the UK. So this role, uh, the role I do, does exist in other parts of, of, the, of, the, of the group, as, as I mentioned. Um, but we didn't have an allocated um, individual in the UK who, who picked up the, the learning and development remit. It was just shared amongst the, the, the rest of the HR team. And our managing director is very, very invested in learning and development. He sees it as a strategic enabler, which is absolute gold dust. Like to, 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 to work with, with someone who already knows that this is a strategic enabler is, is just an absolute dream. Um, and they, they, they're that passionate about learning and development that it's, it's actually one of the business goals. And I've never worked in an organisation before Wow. Where, where learning development is, is a goal of the business. It's, it's, it's one of its own goals. So, um, so yeah, I think the managing director and that buy-in at the top has definitely been one of those those big drivers for um, 
for, for learning and development there. However, across the, the group, um, the, the learning and development approach is, is very much in line with the 70-20-10 principle. So I'm not sure how familiar um, uh, the people who are watching this will be with that. Um, but the 70-20-10 principle is, is a learning and development model um, and Charles Jennings is, 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 is generally the one kind of attributed with really kind of bringing this into, into businesses. Um, but, but essentially the model kind of works on the idea that in order for learning and development to be effective and to really make a difference, for it to really be remembered, 10% of what you learn comes from a, a, a structured, formal um, kind of learning environment. So that might be a face-to-face -face workshop. It might be e-learning. It could, it could even be considered like reading books and articles. But this is something that's quite structured and formal. 20% then comes from social learning. So the conversations you have with others, getting feedback from other people to learn more about yourself, coaching conversations, having a mentor, um, it, just talking things through with other people and learning from other people's tips and tricks. That, that would come under that 20%. The 70% of what you learn, according to this model, is just through practice and through making mistakes and through just doing the job. And what is really refreshing is that at the organisation I work in, they're actually really, really good at the 70%. They've got some really great pockets of, um, of good practice around that 20% and the 10% as well. The 20% in particular is the most interesting because where I've worked in other organisations where they have this model, the 20% piece is kind of brushed under the carpet. So it's either you go on a course and then sink or swim, um, or, or just sink or swim, and you may, you may be lucky to get a course. But that 20% in the middle really does mesh those two um, those, those two kind of factors together so that's been an, another gift really of, of working there and establishing the L&D function is that actually they're already really invested in this in this effective L&D model. Brilliant why don't you tell us about some of the um, other organizations or experiences and industries that you've worked in as well? Yeah so, um, so as I said I've worked in learning and development for 15 years um, and I have um, worked in five different industries across that period. So I started out in hospitality. Um, so that's where I really first learned how to be a trainer. Um, it was a lot more instructional training, kind of watch me do it and then you have a go. It was a lot more like that. Um, but I did really get a fantastic kind of start in, in my learning and development career in, in one of the hospitality companies I worked for and um, a very kind of popular restaurant chain here in the UK and, and it is worldwide as well um, but they they had a massive passion for learning and development and they really that kind of idea of, of developing your people was very ingrained into the company culture so I was very very lucky to have started my L&D career in a business like that. Um, so that was a lot more, as I said, kind of instructional stuff. It's also where I started to cut my teeth around leadership development as well. So where I really started to kind of hone my, my own kind of skills as a, as a leader and manager um, and also kind of really start kind of getting into some of these different leadership models and management styles and, and understanding the importance of 
things like your communication preferences and your own personality preferences and how they can impact culture. So that was a really, really great start on, on, on the journey there. I then went to work for um, a third sector um, organisation, a global um, organisation that probably everyone will be familiar with because of its symbol, uh, which is red, um, <laughs> and, and they specialise in disaster response. Um, so I worked with them for, um, for about two and a half years. And to this day, working there has remained one of my favourite L&D jobs. So what was... Um, amazing about working there was the motivational drivers for the learners in that organization were very very different than the motivational drivers of the learners in the private organizations I've been in before so being third sector being a charity it was all volunteer led so from a learning perspective you had individuals who weren't motivated that if I learn this, it means I earn more money um, or it means I get a job promotion. They wanted to learn these skills because they wanted to go and make a difference for other people or they wanted to just challenge themselves and move themselves out mm -hmm. of their comfort zone to learn something that they didn't do before. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just so refreshing to work in that kind of environment and wonderful for me in terms of my own L&D development to kind of really experience working with learners that have got very different motivational drivers. Um, so absolutely loved working there and to this day one of my favourite L&D jobs. Um, I left there then to go and work in um, the travel industry, so another big global organisation, 70,000 employees across the world. Um, uh, massive, massive high street brand here in the UK and across, particularly across mainland Europe. Um, so this was a completely different type of L&D job to what I'd had in my other places. So in this role, I was very much more involved in operational training and I was the training consultant for a group of contact centres. Now, a contact centre environment is a beast of itself. Um, very, very different training kind of style required there. Um, and it's, 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 it's almost an art form in itself, really, kind of balancing training calendars in a contact centre environment when, you know, the nature of their job is to be on the phone all day. So it can be quite a challenge there to kind of say to managers, oh, this course is going to take a week. Can it be half a day? Uh, <laughs> no. Um, so that was um, that was a completely different experience for me. I, I didn't have a contact centre background before. Um, you know, I knew my stuff from a learning and development perspective, and I clung on to that um, as best as I could because I'd never worked in travel before, and I'd never worked in a contact centre. Wow. But it was again another fabulous opportunity, um, and one some some. Some really kind of key skills came out of me working there which was around again around stakeholder management so I think this was the first kind of um, experience I had around kind of having to really challenge a senior manager on kind of decisions being made around training so that was the first kind of opportunity um, that I had at that um, and that is a is a skill set that has served me well <laughs> ever since. Um, and it 
and something else that was there was also really at the time I was I was a bit like oh, what am I getting involved in this bit but actually now looking back like five years later I think to myself I'm so glad I had that opportunity and that was to actually work on projects so mm. in lots of big massive organizations um, projects happen on a daily basis. There's always a new platform that's going out. There's a new product coming. There's, there's always something. And training and learning and development, particularly training element of L&D, is, is always a factor in that happening. So if there's a new platform, these people need to be trained on how to use it. If there's a new product, people need to be trained on how to sell it or, or whatever the case may be. But what's always interesting is our training is kind of forgotten about until the thing's about to go live. <laughs> and working um, there and getting that experience of being involved in projects actually quite early on and being that kind of training lead and making my recommendations on actually, you know, I think we should do it this way, et cetera, et cetera, um, really, really set me up for, for the, the company I went into um, following that and the company I'm in today. Um, and one of the great projects that... Um, I was involved, well, there was two projects I was involved with um, at, at that travel company, which were um, the transition of these contact centres. So I was based at the one in Swansea. However, they used to have one um, uh, in Coventry in, in England, which they were closing down and expanding the Swansea one. So we started in Swansea with something like 30 staff. And by the time I left, they had 350 and I was there two years. So we it was like a conveyor belt, right? Get get them in every time, build up the numbers and the, and the seats for the contact centre. So to go through that kind of major project was 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 really such a massive learning opportunity for me. Mm. And then we repeated it a year later um, uh, out in South Africa. So this was even you wow. know even better. So we went out to South Africa um, because we were moving our. Um, our, our kind of third party contact centres. So they were originally in India, whom I data worked quite closely with for uh, for the time prior to that. But now we were going out to South Africa to go and set up the contact centre function there. Um, so I had to go out there and go and train up their training department and train up their first couple of batches of of um, of advisors. Um, and that was just a fantastic opportunity, like wonderful, wonderful experience. Um, you know, not only to be in South Africa, but um, but also just uh, coming back to this kind of culture piece again. So, you know, obviously up until that point, all of my kind of L&D career had been in the UK. Um, so to have to go in, and particularly with with um, what we were with, um, kind of training out there, there was, it was a great learning opportunity around kind of actually the cultural differences in customers mm. as well. Um, and, and there were some like little nuances there that we really had to flex out in, in, in the training um, when we were out in, in South Africa because obviously when I designed the training in the UK, it, it already kind of took into account that everyone knew what this brand was. Everyone was really familiar with the concept of going on a holiday um, because that, that's how it is here in the UK. So, so that, again, another fantastic opportunity for me there to kind of really understand um, that, you know, depending on where you are with, in terms of learning and development, you, you are going to have to take in those local cultures into, into, um, into consideration as well. So then I had enough of that, and I went to um, <laughs> a finance company, um, and that was another um, 
a significant learning curve as well. So obviously we're all familiar with the financial crisis of 2008. Um, and as a result of that, and I'm sure this is very much the same where you are, um, over here in the UK, regulation within financial services um, is, is very, very tight. And something that has a significant um, uh, uh, kind of weight behind it then is training and competence. Um, and there's there's so much governance that needs to be put in place there to prove competence um, in terms of selling financial products and advising on financial products, etc. So this was my, even though every company I'd worked in had some level of regulation, like when I was in travel, I had to work under the Civil Aviation Authority's regulations. Um, you know, when I was in, obviously, in hospitality, there's all the food safety regulations and health and safety law, etc. Um, but this was the first time I had to really work under a regulator. Um, and this, again, was where I learned so much around governance and the importance of things like version control, which I obviously knew was important because I'd done it before, but never really quite realised <laughs> to what level I had to take that type of verification of my sources and things um, and evidence and reporting. And so, so it really did kind of open my eyes more to, to the analytics within learning and development, which up until that point, I suppose the analytics in learning and development that I've been used to was more carrots, really run a report on how many people have been on training this year, which is obviously, you know, not really worth the papers written on, doesn't tell much, does it? Um, but working there, there was a, we, we, we were really able to tap into and explore the opportunities within um, data analytics in learning and development and, and actually start trying to, to make some connections between okay, well, when they've been on this course, what has that impact been six months later to our numbers and these different things? So there was really great kind of um, uh, kind of opportunity there for that. Um, we um, also, I did a lot of um, leadership development there as well. So, and we, and we got quite creative with some of the leadership um, uh, programs that we put on there. Um, and um, we were able to really kind of um, create um, interesting programs, which I know sounds a bit daft, but sometimes when you work in some organisations, there's already a quite defined leadership approach. Be it right or wrong, that's the leadership approach that they've got. Um, what we were able to do there was to be really, really creative and to be really curious. Sorry, that's my dog. And um, to be very curious as to well, what are the different methods of um, what, what are the different leadership models that are out there? What are the different theories? What's the different thinking? So that was really refreshing to be in such a position to almost come up with a nice almost like a smorgasbord of, of, of leadership development that we were able to put out there for, for the people in that organisation. So that, that was really, really great. Um, and then I come to where I am today. Karis, that's really great. Look, if someone was trying to get into learning and development in this type of industry, what sort of advice would you give them as they plan their careers and launch their careers? Ooh. Um, I think... My biggest piece of advice would be to get curious and stay curious. 
And the reason I say that is because if you have this curiosity within you around learning and development, you will be more inclined to um, focus on your own personal development because of the curiosity of, oh, well, what if I look into Lean Six Sigma, for example? What, what's that going to do? What, if I, what, if, what about if I look into neuroscience? What, what, what's going on there? So those little curiosities will, will inform your own personal development, which will allow you to really kind of think outside the box then when you are looking to design courses, when you're looking to design, to design bigger solutions for, for bigger organizations. But the other thing around curiosity, so it's not just for your own personal development, but it's also that, that when you're actually working with stakeholders, asking questions is so, so, so important because what they think is a learning need most of the time isn't. So the more questions you ask to really get under the skin of that, the better well-rounded solution you're going to have to be able to give that organization. Um, so get curious and stay curious is probably the biggest tip I can have, I could give anyone who's considering a career in learning and development. Karis, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate your wisdom, your experiences and your advice for the, for the new graduates. Thank you so much, Craig. It's been lovely chatting with you.